All right, all right, all right. I guess it goes hell to the victors. You know, <laughs> Michigan put the egg on my face. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to own it because I'm real like that. You know what I'm saying? But at least we got one out of two. We did pick Washington. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to try it again next week. We got one more game before the college football season ends. But tonight, we're going to talk about those playoff games. Washington almost blew it. Michigan almost blew it. So all you fans out there talking all this trash, think about that for a second. Very close. Game of inches. And the association, we have a trade. The New York Knickerbockers making the news because everybody was going to talk about New York anyway. At least they gave us a reason to. You know, we're going to talk about the NFL. Week 18 is upon us. And whoa. Look. To the right. To the left. Oh, shit. Touchdown, Baltimore. Oh. <laughs> Baltimore just scored again. Still scoring. <laughs> Still scoring. Right off right 95. But let's set this off right. Yes. You are now moving to the south. Sports reports is ordered. And yo, quick plug. Check out the pursuit of forever, my guy. Rajon Lewis and his wife Latoya. Check it out. Facebook and all that podcast coming to you soon. But right here, right now, I'm sitting here with the one and only. Do not bring feelings to a back fight. Do not piss in his pocket and tell him it's raining. Don't do that. Get out of here with your soft tissue injuries. <laughs> Yes, sir. And holding down the Alamo. Fresh out the hot box. It's 2-5. So, as always, we're going to start this off with a little something we like to call. Get it off my chest. All right, I'm going to go first. I'm going to be quick. I always said I'm going to be quick, but that, you know, for others, I'm going to be quick. Yo, can y'all listen? The grown men of the Twitter sports world. <laughs> this is who I'm talking to. I might get a lot of heat for this. This this I know this this rugged exterior, this toxic, toxic masculinity. Sometimes I, I tend to preach. I'm like, come on, dog. Y'all gotta stop going to Twitter with these emotional outbursts, calling people out because the people. Don't even give a shit. I don't care, Jason Whitlock, what you think, because it's all negative. Give me some numbers. Give me a good storyline. Get a good conversation. Stop just clamoring for controversy. It's going to happen. Yeah, so you take a camera through New Orleans, you might get a a titty or two might pop out. You got to be on it a little bit better. I don't know why people are so outraged. Titties come out all the time. You get breast milk from them. Like every half the world has them. They just the titties calm down. Uh, whatever little porno thing popped up on Jason Whitlock's feed is like, dog, that's an algorithm that's probably connected to your search history. So, so if you searched up like pots and plants, you probably would have got like some Lowe's advertisements or Home Depot for pots and plants. But if you looking up pogs and milfs, you know what I'm saying? You might get some portal advertising while you watch your sports. Diet. 
know what I'm saying? Because sports, sometimes sports and sex is synonymous. It runs together. So they figure like, oh, you like sports? You might like porn. Obviously, your search history, your cookies, <laughs> your cookies are telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the FSU players who went to Twitter saying how Bama didn't deserve it after they lost when your team went out there and lost by 60. Like, we know we saw that, too. I know it seems like something that happened like 48 hours ago or 72 yeah. hours ago is like almost non-existent now. But this 4K digital stuff is going to last forever. So we all saw that 63 to 3, you know, ass whooping that your teammates took. You worried about a team that was fourth and three away from, you know, tying the game up or potentially going for two and winning, saying they didn't deserve it. You lost 63. And then you went to Twitter about it. It's like, cut it out. Like, stop going to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, you look like, remember when we were in school in the 90s and it was like, oh, stop gossiping, stop tattletelling, stop doing all this this catty stuff. Yeah. Grown men, I got to stop doing this catty stuff, man. Just stop. Like, stop selling your beefs on Twitter. Stop. Just cut it out. If you can text this man, text him. If you feel like, oh, Alabama didn't deserve it, cool. You put out a little tweet. Don't think it's tough. It's goofy. It's a goofy thing to do. It's a goofy, real sensitive thing to do. And all it shows is that you're not focused on the right things if you're so concerned that some other man didn't achieve some goal and you felt like you deserved it, but you didn't do anything to really earn it in the Mm -hmm. aftermath. So it's like... Mm -hmm. You just hating on somebody else's failure. Like, own your own failure. Stop running around here trying to be tough with your thumbs. It is the least tough thing you can be. You can't even shoot a gun with your thumbs. Like, this, this isn't tough, man. I literally have fingernail polish on my thumb right now. It's not tough. <laughs> my daughter, girl, hashtag girl dad. But yeah, just, just cut it out. Especially you, you know, Jason Whitlock. Just cut it out. I'm going to tag you. Just cut it out. You jizz Whitlock. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My man, <laughs> Jason Pornhub. You know what I'm saying? Talking about, don't you want to be deep in this? I'm like, hold up, bro. That ain't just slide on your page. Yeah. That ain't just slide on your page. I remember one day I was sitting up in here and um, I was going through Facebook and it's like little Asian, cute little they popped up on my thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was like, I don't know where that came from. And she was like, what you been looking at? And I was just like, I got Whitlocked. I got Whitlocked. <laughs> you got know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, That's so, what we know, call it from that one. Yeah, you got Whitlocked. You know what I'm saying? But yo, get it off my chest. I want to talk. I ain't going to call no names. They know who they are. You know what I'm saying? Out here in the sports media. Call talking name, all bro. this noise. Now nah, I ain't going to name no name. All right, Casey Smith for one. There we go. From Barstool Sports. Love you, Casey. Love you. This is not a diss. I'm just saying you need to calm down because Jaden Daniels won that Heisman Trophy. He deserved that Heisman Trophy. And no matter what Michael Penix did last night, you cannot take that Heisman Trophy away. You know, so now I remember there was a point this season for about a month where everybody, we talked about it last week, everybody was doubting Washington because they struggled with Arizona State. They struggled with Stanford. And by the way, if I remember correctly, they beat Arizona State 15-7, to and Penix didn't even throw a touchdown pass. Now, in true Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones uh, fashion, you know, 
Penix went five games this season where he hit below 60% completion percentage. You know, that's the guy that you're saying should win the Heisman off of one game over a team that even 2-5 told you that Texas' secondary was weak. You know, now, not including the bowl game. Because, you know, he, he went off last night, but Jaden Daniels didn't play in his bowl game, so I didn't want to do that. So not counting the bowl game, Michael Penix, 33 touchdowns, nine picks. Jaden Daniels, 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. And, oh, by the way, he was number 30 in the country in rushing when there's 133 FBS teams that have running backs, and sometimes they play two running backs. Sometimes they play three, Air Force, Navy, so on and so forth. And he's a top 30 rusher in the nation as a quarterback. I don't know what we're talking about. He had a 72.2 completion percentage. You know, with those games, and this is including the bowl game because I didn't feel like doing the math. You know, Michael Penix was at 65%. You know, so that bowl game went a long way to raising that, by the way. Everybody in the media spent the last month telling us how injured Washington was, Michael Penix included. And now, because I told you last week, I got to apologize to Michigan because I said some bad things about Michigan too. But I told y'all last week that Texas is one of the biggest pieces of garbage walking God's green earth because they don't win titles for all the resources that they have. This is what they do. The guy was named seven named Sark. I mean, seven game Sark. You know, seven win Sark because he doesn't win more than seven games generally. So not to take anything away from Texas. Great season. They went into Tuscaloosa and won. But beating Texas is not good enough for me to change my mind that Jaden Daniels didn't deserve the Heisman. No. You can't take it away unless you yeah. Reggie Bush or OJ. You know what I'm saying? And y'all not really garbage. You know what I'm saying? Y'all good, but just win something. Shit. You know what I mean? All I hear about is greatest job in the country. Every, you know, they could get a coach from it Florida. Should be. They could get a, it, should it should be. be. It should yes. be. It blows my mind. Jason Whitlock should know how porn works. You should know to delete your cookies. <laughs> and don't be posting your screen off. Like, God, it was, it's, when you search for controversy, it's obnoxious. If you're doing investigative reporting, I'm with it. Right. I'm totally. But if you're looking at like, hey, there's negative connections with the money and the voting and you have inside information that X, Y, Z person was paid in the form of a Corvette to make the vote this way. And somebody got a boat trip or someone's kid got into a doctorate program or something. And, and, and you're uncovering something that's journalism. But when you right. decide here on social media, just like because let's keep it a bean. Is someone at ESPN going to lose their job because a boo popped out? No. Is someone at ESPN going to lose their job because potentially maybe your cookies are connected to porn or whatever the case? I mean, but what if, it, what or, if it was an ESPN boob, though? I'm saying, like, it just, it just, the, this, this pe people with this, just like Chris Rock's, you know, type of a stand up, you know, this selective outrage, just like, you don't care. You don't care. You don't you care don't. that much. You just want, to create this this outrage it's like same dude that was outraged sport? same dude that was outraged was looking at his wife's friend's rack you know what i'm saying like <laughs> same 
Same girl that was upset was trying to look at silicone on the internet to see if she could fill herself out. You know what I'm saying? Just, like, these are some of the greatest invention ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go ahead and get canceled tonight, I guess. Like, you know, titties, titties, titties. But you know what I mean? It is what it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. But, yo, yeah, moving off of titties for a second. <laughs> uh, we got a trade. Trade deadline isn't until February. But here we are. Was it the Lakers? No, it wasn't the Lakers. Nah, it let's the Lakers. get this segment in. No, it was the Bockers. Let's go to football. <laughs> it, was the, it, was, it was the Bockers, you know, the New York Knicks acquired. And I'm sorry, y'all. I'm still on my phone. You know what I mean? Like my, my printer's still out. So sorry, y'all. But uh, the New York Knicks acquired OG Adenobi, you know, along with Preston Achua and Malachi Flynn. And they sent out RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly. And a 2024 20, second round pick to their division rival, the Toronto Raptors, who they are embattled with legal battles with right now, too. You know what I mean? But, you know, business makes strange bedfellows. So, Mr. Logical, are you feeling like me? Because I feel like the Knicks gave up entirely too much. I, I like mean, the trade, though. I do like the trade, though. I like the trade. I just don't know if. I don't know if the Knicks are really built for like a long playoff run. So I'm not sure what the trade gives you other than a guy that you're going to have to give like 30. They said, like I'm reading an article here on CBS.com. They gave, you know, about Brad Botkin. He gave the trade an A minus for the Knicks, but they're going to have to potentially pay this guy $35 million. You know, when they re-sign him like that non-max slot or whatever the case may be. So you give a guy $35 million and he's giving, you know, good numbers, 15 points, four or five rebounds, a couple of assists. And just like when I when I think about a trade is like I want to get exponentially better with the trade or the trade piece that I get is like a building block. It seems like a lot of trades are for like now, but I don't know if the now is going to be that impactful. Like you're making a trade to get the six, seven, the you know, three and D guy, but what does that do for you, February, March, into the playoffs in April? Is that going to win you a series? Is well, this guy? Is it? Is is the addition of like that's what I'm saying? It's like I feel like the trade should either either get you a guy that's going to make an immediate impact and make your team, you know, prepare your, prepare your team forward, or it gets you off of somebody else's contract that you didn't want to pay. Ah, that's the key. So I got good news and I got bad news, though. You know what I'm saying? The good news is the Knicks defense should be slightly better. The bad news is Julius Randle get to shoot more. Even though he just had a 39-point game the other day, so, you know, all praises due. But uh, to your point, in 2026-27, R.J. Barrett is due to make $29.6 million, and they haven't paid quickly yet. Quickly, Quickly's due to get paid. So it's either pay OG or pay both of these dudes. You know, I guess it's like the conundrum there. You know, now. 
you know, for me, you know, if, if everybody remembers during the NBA preview we did this season, you know, I picked Emmanuel quickly as the sixth man of the year. So obviously I feel very highly about him. You know, um, Toronto gets a hometown kid in R.J. Barrett. So theoretically he should be motivated to play his best basketball because I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen his best basketball yet, I think. You know, um, he's only 23, quickly he's 24. And it's not as if Adenobi is old. He's 26. But this is the problem. I had a guy in our sports group, you know, Real Sports 365, shout out, y'all. He told me the Knicks won this trade because they got Kawhi Leonard. This is my problem with that. He's only 26, but he already been in the league for seven years. You know what I mean? Like, he could probably get to a Kawhi level defensively, but I don't know if the offensive game is there to get to that level. I'm not sure the offensive game is there to see, say, what Mikael Bridges did when he went to Brooklyn last year. Correct. But well, Mikael okay. Bridges had the freedom because of Right, right, right. But so it's that okay. trade that trade unlocked an opportunity for Mikael Bridges. Right. And right. then it put Brooklyn in a position where they could say, Oh, we have a guy who can do this stuff on the court. Maybe we get in a position where we can make a move. Like for instance, if I know this is, is all hypothetical, but if Mikael Bridges, you see what he does, and you're like, you know what? We bring in a guy like Jalen Brunson to play him alongside Mikael Bridges, because we know. This guy broke out. We're not paying him much. Now we know we can go get another mm-hmm. guy like a Halliburton. Granted, these are, these guys aren't available. Right, right, right. We know that. Oh, I got a guy here who is he's he's posturing up to be an alpha. Now I can make a move that's going to help bolster my team. The Knicks seem to be, they seem to only make moves that either save them money or they or it looks like a splash. And I just I'm not seeing. Like the, I know every every trade isn't gonna have Kevin Durant in it. Every trade isn't gonna have, you know, every trade isn't gonna be like the Rudy Rudy Gobert where you get four or five picks in return. But right. at least Utah, you're like, damn, why you didn't keep Mitchell and Gobert? It's like, well, at least we got some pieces back, and we know we're starting from the bottom. Whereas the Knicks, they make trades that keep them stagnant. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't work out, then the frustration starts because it is New York City. Mm-hmm. It's literally the heart of Manhattan. It's a highlight city. It's a you know, what's what? It's a it's a it's the city that never sleeps. City never sleeps. You know, so it's just it's just such a, it's such a, a a polarizing city that you would I would want them to make a move. That's a move that's really gonna like okay. This could make the Knicks do something. Like, right? I don't know what the B situation is, but you need to make that move if you're the Knicks. It was good for Toronto to bring a hometown kid in because Toronto can literally go thirty and fifty-two and still probably sell out thirty-seven of their forty-one home games just because mm-hmm. Toronto loves they love their sports. The Knicks people go there reluctantly because of the Knicks. But you can't just keep doing this every single mm-hmm. year where you're just like, oh, we made this move. We got Kristoff. Nothing. We saw so, so right Harvey, now. Nothing. Yeah. 
So right now, um, to answer your question, uh, Philly, you know, is I don't know if this counts tonight or no, this doesn't count tonight yet. So Philly is 23 and 10. Um, they are the three seed right now, four games out of first. Looking at the Knicks, 18 and 15, and they're eight and a half out of the first seed, which obviously they're not going to get the first seed. I'm just, you know, saying. Uh, but they're only a game and a half out of fourth right now. You know, so like they can put themselves in position to host the first round series again. You know, now OG Adenobi still doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to flourish into a Kawhi because, as I mentioned, Julius Randle is going to shoot the ball more without quickly and Barrett. But but that's but that's also good news, is because he's already a complimentary player because he had to play behind Siakam as the number one. So it's not as if theoretically he comes in with an ego of I was the man. Where's my shots at? You know, so so like you you have so that. That's what I'm saying. So like where like because defense is not a. You don't need just a lockdown defender. It has to be team defense. Like if you have a weak link defensively, they're gonna attack it. Right. The Lakers Brunson. are a good team defensively, but in certain situations, like you know what, we'll just attack Austin Reeves. Steph Curry is a great player, but they would hunt Steph Curry. Right. Even right. Luca. I remember a couple of series because Luca would always kind of lag off because they know eventually. He's shooting so many shots, he's going to get tired. Right. The, the team defense has to be the thing that that is your like is your victory, your rallying right. cry. So yeah, you could get this guy, and maybe he maybe he's your on ball defender against a guy like Bridges or Halliburton or Donovan Mitchell when he comes to town. But if he gets two quick fouls, now what do you? Yeah. Right. And and I remember before the season started, uh, before I don't even know like we weren't doing the show very long, but man, you had a conversation where I said, what is Toronto doing? They're just holding on to Adenobi. They're holding on to Siakam. They're both free agents at the end of the season. So now they've moved Adenobi. Now they're looking for trades for Siakam because apparently there was a unofficial deadline of December 30th for them to come to a new deal. So, so now Siakam's going to probably be on the move. Um, Emmanuel quickly is probably not going to be the sixth man of the year because he probably will have to start in Toronto. And, you know, uh, but Dennis Schroeder has been expressing some frustration out of Toronto as well. So I don't know what Toronto is doing. They're 12th they right might have to do the They might have to do the Utah, Utah Jazz thing where you just kind of move all your all pieces, yeah. blow it up, and get somebody young back, like the Sexton deal that, you know, Cleveland gave up to get sent him there. Right. Maybe a guy like maybe somebody that's like you, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to just always like make like this these landmark trades, but right when when the fire is out, just put it out, get well, some more firewood, like, start over. I feel like Siakam to Atlanta just makes too much sense. But who's Atlanta like Atlanta has some pieces you might want back, and I don't know if they're going to give it up knowing you're in a fire sale. Yeah, you give up what Sadiq Bay, you know, uh, DeAndre Hunter, maybe, you know, some picks, you know, because I doubt you're going to trade Trey, right? For Seattle. you're not going to give up Trey for Seattle, you know what I mean? You're not going to give up DeJounte Murray, you're you not going to give up for, Murray for Seattle, you know, maybe like 
I don't know if Toronto would want Capella because they already have Pirtle. So, you know, so you start Jalen Johnson maybe, you know, but you got to make the money match, you know, so that's yeah, the other side of that. Yeah. You know, but uh, but I think Siakam to Atlanta just makes too much sense because I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, a Hawk fan that doesn't want to trade Trey Young. And my point to him was don't do the Darren Williams – Carlos Boozer thing where they're great players. They're good players. And you're going to the playoffs. You're doing these things. But right now Atlanta's not even in that position. So if you trade Trey young outside of losing the face of your franchise and probably a fan favorite, but on the court and record wise, what are you losing? Well, depends on like, what is your end game is every, cause everybody's end game isn't to win the championship. Right. It, it just, it just, it's all. That's just I would imagine you, like, you want to make a conference final run. I would imagine at least. If you, if Greg Popovich. playoff series. Training camp starts in what we call it August, September time frame. Guys are coming back, working out of the building. And you're looking around, you're like, okay, you don't have any definitive three-point shooters. You saw some of these guys playing summer league. Maybe they have it. We don't have a, a point guard that sees the floor. We don't have a playmaker. What we have is a bunch of guys that can run our system. A bunch of guys run our system, but no one's really dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's thirty. That's a 30-win team. Best case scenario. More likely, you're probably closer to 25. If you're a team like Phoenix, where you're stacked, you're like, we don't have enough role players, but we're stacked. If our stack part of our team can stay healthy, we can get these role players in. We can be a 50 to 55 win team. Your mm-hmm. team like Milwaukee with a star and then a second star in Dame Lillard and Chris Middleton and the fact you just won a championship, you can think conference finals championship because you have you have championship pedigree and you have the play the players in place that understand that and, and can make that dream happen. Denver is the same way. Minnesota's making that run because they're young and they're figuring it out. But it was times the last couple of years where it was like it might have been a situation where they wanted to move Cat out. Mm-hmm. You know, especially that they made the Gobert trade last year. It was like, how is this going to work? I'm like, well, just move one of them out of the way. People make it seem like you can't put people on different parts of the floor because they're tall. I mean, Cat shoots, stays at the three-point line half the time. He won the three-point contest, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's not as if, you know, you're talking about so you have putting Charles Barkley next to Shaq. Like Trey, I don't think Trey Young's a dynamic playmaker, and I don't, I don't think the Knicks have a, I don't think the Knicks have a, a core, like talent group, that's upper echelon that's going to make a, a long run either. Right now they're seventh. Granted, it looks like a game and a half out, but they're seventh in the East. They're probably going to hover around five to seven. Best case scenario, end up in the play in. And it's you know potentially could be one and See? done, and that's right up your alley, right? A uh, play-in game at Madison Square Garden. I'm 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 this year I'm gonna go check one out. It's on the list. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. But those tickets, those tickets cost. Those tickets oh, yeah, are like they're like yeah, a car payment. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, hopefully the Knicks got some kind of assurance. I'm gonna assume. Well, you know, make that out of myself, but I'm gonna assume that. They got some kind of message from OG saying that he's willing to resign with them. Oh, well, that's cool until somebody dangles thirty eight and a half million, and you know. you're willing to offer thirty three and a half. <laughs> that would be kind of crazy to give up quickly and Barrett, and then don't have anything to show for it for real. 
Except, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess cap space. If, but... if you're offering 33 and a half in New York City, paying a New York City tax, New York State tax, and Miami's like, yeah, we'll give you 35, and you don't pay Miami City tax, you don't pay Florida State tax, that 33 that you get in, in New York City, man, it's like 22. Oh, Florida State definitely tax. paid a tax. <laughs> they should have uh, more Corvettes. But uh, but you know, yeah. So um, I guess, you know, I would imagine, maybe not during the season, but I would imagine you would kind of be willing to maybe move Julius Randall at some point. I mean, because Mitchell's Mitchell Robinson's out for the season. It's for some reason the teams, and, and I think the NFL does it. Like we'll, we'll talk about the NFL later, but I think. Las Vegas did it last year with Derek Carr. They're doing it with Russell Wilson. Uh, Kyrie, KD, James Harden out of Brooklyn. It's – if you could get in a room and say, listen, we want to move you, but we got to keep it in here because if you go to your people and they start going to social media, your, your dad, your grandma, your brother – your cousin, they start going to social media and posting like, oh, they told my cousin that he got, you know, two weeks left in New York. When I'm trying to trade you to Dallas, when I'm trying to trade you to Minnesota, they're going to be like, yo, we're not giving up anything because we heard from here that you want to get rid of them. So now I got to do you to Charlotte. Because Charlotte's going to be the only team that's going to be desperate enough to just match our number when we lose the leverage in the public. Mm-hmm. So either you make the move quietly on the low or you just keep them. And I think because they're a major market, you got to have something for people to see. Like right. the, Knicks can't, the Knicks can't roll out there with the Santa's, uh, with the Detroit Pistons or the Washington Wizards or the, or the Spurs, like, that lineup, like they, you need a heavy hitter. I don't know if Wimby's that heavy of a hitter. I know he was a maybe if they would have got the lottery ball and he would have gotten there, maybe it'd have been a little bit more hype. Oh, but, I don't even want to imagine that. <laughs> so, but you need, I mean, hell, he did most of the all every he was wearing Yankee stuff most of the week. I'm like, he's yeah, not hiding all the baseballs in his hand. I'm like, he's not going to New York. Why he got all his Yankee stuff on? Like, on top of that, the draft was in Brooklyn. Like, Yankees <laughs> land of Bronx. It's like it's damn near a different state. Is so far apart. It's yeah, like, it's not even close. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So without that kind of impact for that city, I just feel like I think it just was they just traded apples for apple juice. Yeah, and I guess uh, that means Toronto is heavily committed to the Scotty Barnes experiment. You know, trying to turn him into that. 610 point guard kind of guy and clear out the way, put the shooters around him and see what happens, you know. So should well, be entertaining if nothing else. Definitely get a good shooter. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got got a good point That's there. Okay. You gotta do something. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But you know, but hey, next Monday night in the great state of Texas, over in H Town, in one corner. You got the undefeated Washington Huskies with the aforementioned Michael Penix, who is not the Heisman winner. In the other corner, you got the undefeated Michigan Wolverines 
with J.J. McCarthy. Some people call him Andrew Luck, and I'm still waiting to see it. He's just like 27 and one as a starter. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to preview the game right now, but we don't say what we are going to do is just reflect on yesterday. So, you know, so where you want to start? Which game you want to start with? I'm going to say something unpopular. Okay. The Michigan-Alabama game and the Washington-Texas game was not the greatest weekend in college football that everyone's trying to sell it as. I did watch. I watched all of those games. I watched both games. Agree. And it was like, it was all right. I think it last year's drama. playoff was better. It was drama at the end, but there wasn't a lot of like, was wasn't a lot of NFL prospects making impact plays because I don't think either team really has a, any. I mean, Michael Penix. Because he's already NFL age. I think he's like 24 or something like that. Well, Dallas Turner so tried to uh, pull a Dominican Sue move or, you know, on J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, normally the the Bama offensive line plays better. They didn't play great. Uh, Jalen Miro didn't play great. Michigan wasn't converting third downs. People talk about the special teams miscues. Like, yo, they weren't converting third downs either. Same thing with Washington in their game. I just felt like it was like, two games with really good teams and it's probably like the f- first or second time they yeah. played a team like that of that caliber this year mm-hmm. and it just didn't it didn't flow easily i thought washington played a little better but i think because they have the the p- position of quarterback i think his maturity level is just a little higher and their wide receivers are dynamic and that's tight end they were playing on turf they're playing on turf they're playing indoors the tight end was just he was snatch, snatching the ball out of the air. I think his name was Haverson or something like that. So he just was making those plays that were keeping a lot of these drives alive. It was it was a lot of tough throws. I like Penix. I like the way he was handling the ball. But, you know, if I just want to stay on the first game, Michigan-Alabama, the muff punts and the nerves and the, the, the granddaddy of them all and the Rose Bowl, I think it might have been – that might have been part of it. But as far as, like, I said this to you last night when I was talking about Jalen Miller, I was like, I don't think he's a bad player, a bad quarterback. It's just that I never felt like he was going to take the moment and, like, put his stamp on it. Like, mm-hmm. that fourth and 31 that he converted against Auburn, and he was coming off the field and he was screaming, give me the Heisman, give me the Heisman. I was thinking then we had a conversation about it. I was like, I don't know any other moment you had really this season that was positive. I have the you didn't play well against Texas. The team well, he had the didn't uh, play against USF. He he rushed for a lot of yards against LSU. Yeah, but they, that was up and down, and then Jalen Dan- right. Jalen Daniels went out, so it was like by then this, right. the you know the win was out of sales for LSU. So like. His moment then wasn't even his moment. It was Dallas Turner's moment getting Jaden Daniels out of the game. Like, that was the moment of the game. Right. So it wasn't like he did this thing that says, okay, this is his hate. This is his two with a Devontae in the corner. I know that was to win the national champion. Or even, like, Jalen Hurts coming off the bench to win the SEC championship game. Like, that kind of moment. Mm -hmm. You know, it just – I felt like – I don't know if it's just something he just has to like learn and next year he'll be he'll come back. 
But J.J. McCarthy took it. Down seven, four minutes, four minutes, five seconds or something like that. Fourth mm-hmm. quarter, down seven, needing a touchdown. Fourth and two, converting a pass on fourth and two. And then the the guy who got the block in the back called, number one, a wide receiver for uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. On that pass, on that fourth and two conversion, gets the block in the back, moves the ball back. They go to him twice. Mm-hmm. So it just it just felt like that was JJ McCarthy's moment. I know it's the the they're going a little crazy <laughs> saying he's the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. <laughs> yeah. They've had a couple other guys there play a little good play some good football. But like I said, just I know Nick Saban says something like I wish I could have I could I could have coached better, put these guys in position. And I kind of feel what he's he's like. I think he was probably thinking like, man, it was a few times where I should have pulled offensive coordinator in or got on the phone and said, listen, man, I got like five running backs over here. I got some yeah. big tight ends that used to be offensive tackles in high school. Let's just pound this rock because they're killing us up the middle. Let's get on the edge. Let's get some stretch, some stretch plays, some tosses to the outside. Let's get the ball into these. Cause when they gave it to the running backs, those guys were getting through and they're making mm-hmm. moves. Cause a big Alabama running back in the open field. Cause you know, they all running like six, one, two twenty, two thirty. Like they run some big backs at you, but they couldn't give him the ball. And they kept trying to just call Milrose number. And it's like, I don't think he was ready for that moment. I don't think he was ready to take over that moment. I think no. if they were going to <clears throat> Alabama style football, they, I think they win easily if they run that ball. Cause they had to kick the field goal to go up seven. I think if they were running the ball better and, and taking advantage of, their size speed combination to get to the outside versus just running into the size mm-hmm. of Michigan in the middle. I'm excited. I just put a G league game on. Um, I got highlights from this season. Yeah. I'm watching Ontario and the Austin Spurs, you know, but uh, I was, so I was thinking about this and before the season started, I was talking to an Alabama fan at my job and he told me, you know, this is the year we're going to reclaim the throne X, Y, Z. He said, give me one reason why we won't win the national title. I said, I can give you two. And he said, what? Like offensive line. Is it going to, I said, no, number one, Jalen Milrow. Number two, Tommy Reese. Because when Nick Saban hired Tommy Reese in the first place, my reaction was, how the hell did Tommy Reese earn that job? Because Notre Dame fans been trying to run him out for the last three or four years. So as I went back into my mental Rolodex, thank you, Jay-Z, for that. You know, as I went back, <laughs> as I went back into oh. my mental Rolodex, you know, Bryce Young missed a couple of games last year. Milrow played against uh, A&M and Tennessee. That was the game, you know, um, Evan Stewart, Jimbo said his name, all that good stuff like that. And all I took away from those games was, Damn, this Milrow dude puts the ball on the ground, don't he? So it was unfortunate that his fumble yesterday kind of turned the momentum of the game around. Even, though, Alabama, even as a thing, they didn't even get any points off of it. Right, but they didn't have to. They didn't have to because because even if Bama would have got a field goal there, it's a whole different ball game. It was still, you know, I think it still would have been. It was still. It would have been. It would have been twenty to thirteen. Then I just felt like Michigan 
I think that the, the marriage between Harbaugh and McCarthy, an offensive coordinator for Colin plays for Michigan, mm-hmm. would have gotten them back into it. Whereas you're talking about Milrow and Reese, I don't think, like I said in our pre-meeting, I don't think there was a conversation of, hey, coach, this is what I'm seeing. We should run this play and get this person the ball. Because mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of plays towards the end of that game where they just kept just going to, we'll just go to Milrow. Like even people talk about the snap is supposed to be an RPO. The snap came back quick. He got it and then just ran straight. He panicked. He panicked. Yeah, he panicked. And it's he, like Bryce Young probably does something. It, the play still might not have worked, but Bryce Young does something that we're like, wow, like you know, one way or the other. And 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 you know, but when I was looking at this, we talk about Michigan's muff punts and their mistakes, but Bama had three or four snaps that. He didn't get, <laughs> you know, like that, you the know, two, bounce. The, the two, the coming out in the, in the second half. When you get, yeah. you, you get the field goal at the end of the half, you come out, you're down, you're down three. They were down three, yep. Get the ball, and they were moving the ball on Michigan. And then the old boy just starts snapping it all over the place. And Kirk Kirk is like, you can't blame it all on the center. I'm like, yeah, you can. Yes, you can. And if you remember, that's why they ended up in fourth and 31. Because the same thing happened, you know, bad snap, you know. So this is something that has played Alabama throughout the season. Now, you know, when it when it came down to it, the I feel, and I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to take anything away from Michigan. But the football gods was on J.J. McCarthy's side yesterday. You know, that pass that he threw that got tipped and Roman Wilson had to go Randy Moss in the air to yank it down. That's the type of stuff that you look back if Michigan wins the title next week. That's the type of stuff you look back and you're like, that play saved our season. But that's but that's what I'm saying. That play, to make that play, is McCarthy locked into the moment. I don't know what kind of NFL prospect he's going to be because I think he's they played. They love him. I think he's played against behind a, a very good offensive line in their pro style. I think he's played mm-hmm. with a, a, a pro coach who's put him in position to just make good throws, smart throws, tight ends, good right. wide receiver depth, you know, running the ball hard, like the best, you know, the best running back tandem in the country for the past couple of years. So I think they put him in position to succeed in that regard. Yeah. See, I had a question throw, about that throw was like, I'm in this moment. Like right. I, we, this guy's open. I'm getting the ball where it's like, he didn't panic. He didn't – it wasn't a bad throw. He saw the rush coming. He got the ball up and out to this wide receiver on this crossing route. But that's that's him in the moment. And, and I like, my question coming – one of my questions coming into the game was Michigan's defensive backs. Not because I think they're bad. I think they're actually really good. I just didn't know if they had played outside of Ohio State, if they had played anybody with receivers that put pressure on them. And they held Jermaine Burton four catches, 21 yards, you know. Because um, they, they they didn't – I don't think they – the offensive line was playing so poor for Alabama. Like, right. they couldn't handle the stunts. They couldn't handle the twists. They – and Joel Klatt said this on Colin Coward's show, so I want to make sure I give him credit for that. 
but he was talking something I said earlier about NFL defenses catching up to NFL offenses by having guys who were safeties in college mm-hmm. put on 15 more pounds and play this hybrid linebacker position. And he said that what Michigan did was you get real stout up front, you get good edge rushers, and then you go hybrid in the middle, safety linebacker hybrids. So that's why they were able to make plays on Milro because you have a guy who probably would have been a safety, but you're going to play linebacker. You're going to come downhill. So when Alabama's offensive line was getting discombobulated, that guy's too quick. Even though he might be 230, 240, he runs like a college safety. So they were just they were just on Milro. I think they got like what six or seven sacks. They had, yep, had the six. They had uh, five in the first half. Five in the first half, but that's what it was. It was like they'd slide one way, and they was like, he did a good job disguising it. I'm thinking to myself, how? He stepped up from where he was. He stood over the guard, in between the guard and tackle. He stood there, and it was like, Milrow has to do a better job of seeing that. And I was like, he's not seeing it. And that that was that's Bryce Young sees that. Right. Bryce Young slides the line the other way. He slides left behind it and then makes a throw. How I, I was really nervous though. Um that first play of the game, another one of those moments. The defender's foot is out of bounds on an interception. You know, that was just another one of those plays where it just seemed even as bad as Michigan had it, mistake-wise, there were just a few things that we well, got away with. Skill, good luck what happened. Shut up. Yeah, because I mean, even even that last muff. I mean, you're talking about inches away from being a safety. The composure to be out there, I'm not the normal returner for this game. We've had terrible special teams. And in that moment, you make a bad special teams. You could have let it go. So not only could you let it go at the five and just hope for the best. And they were like, hey, why didn't you feel this? Like, I didn't want to feel it inside the five. I figured it bounces. You block the first guy that you can block. Yeah, you're like, good answer. (laughs) So, but he muffs it and then just grabs it on the first touch. Because if he bobbles it. It's a touchdown. It's a safety. It's a a touchdown. It's a touchdown because he had his hand on it. But when he got both hands on it and the hit was solid, like they hit him right. He hit him right in his ribs underneath it, like right on the head of the ball. That, That thing flips up in the air. It's four Bama special teams right there. Mm-hmm. We're covering that ball game over. Yeah. So that would have been yeah, a hell of a way to lose. <laughs> you know, and but uh, the conversation today would have been completely different. It was like, it's hard ball to even go to the NFL because he. Blah, blah, blah. Washington tried to lose. Man. So at first, like, my original get off my chest was clock management. Uh, <laughs> and I figured we were going to talk about this for a little bit. Right. So. Right. It Washington did a few things that that I, I try to warn I try to warn my uh my own son about and his friends when they're playing their game. I'm like, listen, the game is gonna end. And right. if you have the most points at the end, you could talk, you talk, you can point to the scoreboard, you can clap, you can do all this other stuff. But they I remember they had a game, I believe it was last year. Against like a bit of a rival team, and they were up like his basketball, and you're up like you know 11 or 12. 
and they were getting hyped on the bench, just hyping each other up. So the ref came over and was like, you guys got to calm down. Kind of messed up the energy. They end up losing the game. So it's like, well, you got to keep your focus on what's happening on the floor, on the field, on the court, on mm-hmm. the pitch, wherever it is. And I think Washington, they were up like two possessions for a lot of the second half because Texas got their their touchdown off of muff punt. So you got they got everyone has to you know clean up special teams, but getting the ball back. Up 14-7, Washington muffs the punt, Texas goes in, ties the game. And then Washington goes up a couple possessions. I think they were around, we'll get the score right, 27. It was like 27, so, so, so it was, or 28, 20, 20 and 14. 21-21, oh yeah, 28-14, 28-21, 31-21. 27-21. I think it was 27. Yeah, 27-14. So oh, yeah, they missed the extra point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some, something happened with it. So it was 27-14. Yeah. So they're up 13, two possessions, and they got cute. They got cute on one drive in the fourth. Because I text you, like, it's 11. It was, like, it's after 11 o'clock. And it was, like, 11 I'm about to be in bed, yeah. And the fourth quarter had was just about to start. And I was, like, I text you, like, I'm liking Washington. They're really letting this clock run. I could be in, I could be asleep by twelve thirty because I was like they had control of the game they were up two possessions right. they right. were running the ball they had the ball starting off the fourth quarter they called like a like a not a crazy flea flicker but it's the same one that everybody runs it wasn't like you did like a special one it's like you did one that I saw that that Michigan ran earlier today yeah they fumbled it, you know <laughs> and somebody else ran one oh Oregon ran the same one yesterday. So, like, mm-hmm. you're the third team today to run this. It's like, it's not, you're not catching anybody off guard. And that was incomplete. And then, like I said, I, I was cleaning up, changed, got back, you know, I was getting ready for bed. I was watching the last, like, five or seven minutes of it. And Texas was calling timeouts to stop the clock with about, I believe, like, close to three minutes left, two, two, 235, something like that. So, Instead of calling a couple more run plays and making Texas burn at least one more timeout, because in that situation they were about to, Washington was about to go up nine. Mm-hmm. So we 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 have a short field goal. I think they were inside the twenty-five, inside maybe inside the twenty. I think they're going to kick about a maybe a thirty-seven to forty-yard field goal. Their kick has been pretty automatic. They gave them a scholarship. It was a whole big thing. I'm like, okay, let's just just run this ball, make Texas burn their last two timeouts. They threw a pass that was incomplete, end up kicking a field goal. Texas gets the ball back down 37 to 28. 28 mm-hmm. Goes down the field, doesn't use either one of their timeouts. So they still have both of their timeouts. Got a field goal. Now they're down 6, 37, 31. Kicked on onside kick. And unfortunately, the running back got hurt on the third down play. Like I said, it was the right play call. Mm-hmm. But in that sense, it's like, yeah, I know you want to put the game away with the first down and call it good. But if he gets fumbled, if he fumbles, if he gets stripped. Yeah, we saw Miami do that against Georgia Tech this year. You, you know, so you just, if you want to just, because your biggest asset in that moment is the fact that they don't have any timeouts and the clock's running. You take a knee, 
with 57 seconds when they would have they would have spotted the ball with 57 seconds. Right. 25 seconds run off the play clock. You're at 32, 33 call timeout. Boom. Snap the ball for the punt, hang time four or five seconds. By the time Texas gets the ball back, they're in they're the 20 from the from the one to the 20. They're somewhere in there if you get a good punt off. Mm-hmm. And with they about have 27 to go seconds left. With about 27 seconds left, no timeouts. Mm-hmm. A quarterback that just was in concussion protocol earlier that quarter, and Arch Manning is warming up. So it was like they haven't been firing all cylinders all game. Now you pinned them deep, and they're out of timeouts. So then like, a personal foul. Then you get you get the fall. What, what are you jumping for? False start for what? False start on the punt, and then kick catch interference. Mm-hmm. That so they almost blew that game. Uh, I mean, Texas had four cracks at it from the 13 or so. And, 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 and I told you, with, remember, we talked about this last week. Texas only gets touchdowns on 49% of their red zone trips. You know, and they weren't effective in the red zone yesterday either. I would have gone to Mitchell four times. Yeah, 6-4. Throw it up. And, and you then, just got it on the, and your previous touchdown was exactly that. And the thing about that, so – the original, so they got the pass. Yeah, Jordan Whitty did for 41 yards. Yeah. 41 yards. That got him down to the 28. Then they threw the pass to Mitchell and Muhammad, their top corner for Washington, was out for at least a play. And I know Washington called a timeout. I don't know if they called a timeout to see if they can get him back in the game. Cause you know, if you come off, you got to come off for right, play. Right. Call a timeout and come back in. I know that he, he was in there after they got to the 12, but I would have tried whoever they put in for him. Yeah. And just taking another shot. But they, they made the right call, got it to the 12. And then from there, I'm like, I'm taking four shots with my biggest wide receiver threat. Because at a minimum, I'm going to get potentially, you could get a hold, a panic, or maybe he just makes the high point throw. Like, but they called they called a couple of bad pass plays, mm-hmm. and then Quinn got the ball out with like one second left. And like I said, same thing. Joe Class he's like he could have thrown the back shoulder on that fourth down play, and it's a touchdown, but he mm-hmm. threw it too high. Yeah, but they tried to give it away. They tried to give it away. So you know, I'm definitely interested in this game next week. You know, this is the typical. Offense versus defense, defense wins championships, you know, all the cliches. So, you know, I'm here for it. You know, uh, we'll get to the preview on Thursday, but I'm really excited for this national title game. Uh, Two different teams that we don't normally see. Um, I do think that last year's playoff was better, though. You know, you had the Cinderella, you know, TCU with the two pick sixes, and then you had Ohio State, Georgia. Ohio State, Georgia game, and everybody was like, I don't say everybody. They the way they would talk about CJ Stroud, it was like I thought he was always as good as he was in that Georgia game. Like the, the Ohio State games I had watched for all last season, I was like, I always thought he looked this good. Like, oh, he's it was just narratives because they didn't beat Michigan. And it was like, oh, he's really good. And it was like yeah. that's when they talking about like, should he go number one over Bryce Young? He's like, Well, did you see him play against yeah. Did you see what Georgia did to TCU? They were a, an online field goal. 
Yeah. And Ohio State's in the national. And don't forget, and don't forget the play where uh they Jimbo, were gonna fake the punt. Oh, 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 and Kirby, Kirby called the timeout. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was yeah. that was golden. That was yeah. open. I think did it run? They yeah, they ran it, but then they blew the whistle yeah, after did, yeah. At they snapped the ball. Like he was yeah. Like, yeah, okay, remember that. I was like, that's yeah. So, so I mean, we were that close, you know what I mean? So, like, for me, whereas yesterday, Bama, Michigan, for the most part, out of the 60 minutes of that game, there was probably 17 minutes of good football, and everything else was mistakes. And it, just it looked like mistakes, they had a month off. It looked like it looked like mistakes, and it just looked like, uh, like th- the game plans didn't match. like. So it just it just didn't it didn't jive. Like I remember I was watching them thinking like why they it they were just getting beat so badly on the inside on the offensive line at Bama was. But then Michigan wasn't converting third downs. Right. Then they were something like one for six or something in the second half until no matter of fact, I only think they converted third down because they, well, they converted fact. on fourth and two to keep that drive going when they were down seven. So it was like, you know, it was a heavyweight match, but it was one with a lot of jabs. Well, for half the game, I was trying to figure out if Blake Corum was hurt or something. You know, like give him the he damn ball. Run, but, you know, it, 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 but also, the, Bama, remember, there was a – Bama adjusted defensively because I think they just they kind of realized, like, yeah, McCarthy isn't going to slice and dice you. Yeah, there, there was a third down. I want to say it was maybe a third and nine. Where he hit Roman Wilson going towards the right sideline, but the throw was so errant that like he fell when he caught it. You know that was one of the third downs that they didn't convert, and he and had that, nothing that, but space. Yeah, I saw the one where he they called it incomplete. Looked like he had a foot down. Yeah, but you know it just was like it just it just felt like they were filling each other out for like three quarters. Like if they if they both played like they if Washington played like they played yesterday, and Michigan played like Play, they played like they yesterday, play, then Washington Washington's the national champion. Yeah, like it's that simple. You know what I mean? But I don't expect that. I expect both teams to to look. You know, I think Washington will hopefully learn from what they did last night. I think Michigan can't play like that again. Like with all the muffs and like that that's once in a once in a season you want, type stuff you want the strengths of the teams to be to shine yeah and yeah. they talked about Bama's offensive line is it would be ranked as far as its size like top 5 of NFL lines as far as size right like they're they had two or three guys that that you know walk around over 350 mm-hmm. so but you, you would but you want know that you would want that element to to, to win in some of those moments. And on that fourth and three, like, I'm not even sure why they even had an RPO built in. Cause like, yo, you're not running it well inside anyway. Right. Like the best case scenario, you should have had a, like some kind of RP. Yeah. Like you're passing it. You're going to fake this. Or like some I'm sure. Uh, play action or something like that, where you just, Play action and throw the bubble screen. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Bill O'Brien was sipping his wine after that. But um, you know, but but I, but we made the point. We talked about it last week. Washington is not your typical Pac-12 team. You know, they're physical. Um, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy didn't get very much pressure on Penix. You know, uh, Washington definitely got to yours, but uh, Texas didn't get 
to Penix very often. And, and he just slid up. He just yeah, he just slid up and made the yeah. right play, made a veteran play. But you know, but I was gonna say, I've heard some people, you know, like Brandon Walker, also from unnecessary roughness, making the point that Michigan is just gonna push Washington all over the field and beat them by double digits and all of this kind of stuff. Let's not forget Washington's offensive line won best offensive line this season, too. You know what I mean? So I mean, and on top of that, like we got it. We can't be prisoners of the moment. It still took a fourth and two conversion on the final drive for Michigan to even force overtime. Right. If they had another bad snap or anything, I know, I know if it's the fifth, we all be drunk. It wasn't as if Bama clawed their way back and then Michigan reasserted his dominance. Right. 31 20. Right. It went into overtime and it right. was fourth and three. Fourth and goal from the three. So let's not give Michigan too much credit for an Alabama team that looked looked overmatch all day long, but yet well, still well, I had think, the lead. It's still, well, still people in the second half. Like you keep in mind, like Alabama didn't look like a top notch team the whole game, but yet they dominated the second half. As Nick Saban would say, that one drive and then the the twenty five yard. Someone called it the the carnival. Of college football overtime, <laughs> as as Nick Saban would say, people are falling for the poison, the rat poison. You know, a lot of people picked Bama to win just because they're Bama. So now, a lot of people are picking Michigan to win just because they beat Bama. You know, I so Bama to win because, like I said, I thought that they would win. I thought they would win up front on both sides of the ball. I picked Bama I to win. That was going to be a difference. I picked Bama to win just off of what I thought was psychological. Oh yeah, and and I thought Michigan was not not excited to play them. Right, and, and you know, because like I said, I, I went back on myself because I did pick Michigan to win the national title preseason. So I went against myself, but you stuck with that. You should. Stuck I should have just stuck with it. I should have just stuck with you, it. Just because you picked it. Yeah, just just, roll, just roll with it. Well, you know what, Michigan winning the national title. How about that? <laughs> I'm Washington. I like Seattle. I've there you go. Detroit Airport, but I like Seattle. But, you know, a team that might not be winning any titles this year. Grey's Anatomy, one of my favorite shows. The Miami Dolphins. They might not be winning a title this year. They might win the title of team that scored 70 points in a game and gave up 56 in another. That's not that far from 70. As you as you <laughs> say, like I think about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they gave up 48 to, Bu- to Buffalo early this year after they dropped 70 on Denver. So it wasn't like, I don't know. It, I think Miami uh, had they had a good run. <laughs> and it was like. Your reign on the top was short like leprechauns. <laughs> it just feels like they were, they, they just, when it was warm, and it was bright, and every game was like you know, like between September and October, it just felt like they were just unstoppable. They were entertaining. Tua looked good. Obviously, injuries come, but they just right, it just right. felt like Mike McDaniel was witty at the podium. Tua was witty at the podium. Like I saw one thing with Tua was like the way he handled the media, and you could you could tell like like the frustration kind of like festered throughout the season because he handled the media differently towards the end, but. He was like, all right, guys, I got to play. I'm, I'm going to say it to you one time. Well, should I get one or two times? 
and then you guys are going to repeat it. He was at the podium at, at the one of the practices or something. And it was something like X, Y over Z split, Charlie snap, five Y X <laughs> nine, go seven, four. Yeah. On two. Great, great. He was like, all right, repeat it. It was something crazy like that. But it was like fun. It was whimsical. It was like, hey, you know, we got a lot going on. Like, I think he was trying to say, like, hey, playing quarterback is difficult. Um, you know, I'm doing I'm doing a very difficult job. I'm doing it the best I can. I think that was the narrative he was trying to show, show with that, but it was more whimsical. Mm-hmm. Then last week he talked about, I keep receipts. And this was like, dog, you're mad at, like, if you win games, you probably won't get criticized. And if you win and get criticized, you won't care because you won. The only reason you're ever talking about you keep receipts is because you lost. And this was a couple weeks ago. This is before the Dallas game. So it's like, you can't be angry and mad and make it seem like people are hating on you just because they criticize you when you lose. Everybody's not going to praise you. Even when you win, there's going to be some critiques. But when you win and you get that dopamine hit of victory, you can come to the podium with your chest talking about, hey, Mercedes play repeated after me. But when you lose, now you're at the podium all frantic. And I think Buffalo, they got that in the middle of the year. And I think you can just grow from it. And I think they figured out, oh, let's turn this around. You, and you know what, Chris? That makes them dangerous. You know what, Chris? Just because I respect you so much, you know, saying you my guy. On my TV right now, I just put on Florida State and Georgia just so I can suffer with you. <laughs> so I'm going to watch this game right now, you know, again, just so I can suffer with you. Because <laughs> it's all love, bro. It's all love. We just got to tell the truth. We just got to tell it how it is. Yeah. You know, so when I looked at this game on paper, yeah, you were the one that said it was going to be a blowout. I thought that Miami would keep it fairly close. I thought Baltimore would come out a little sluggish coming off the West Coast, coming off the high wind off of San Francisco. I thought they would just sputter just a little. And early on, like Baltimore didn't start slow, but Miami went toe-to-toe with them for the first quarter or two. Well, first quarter and a half or so. You know, Miami went back and forth, and I said, hey, here we go. Miami is not a fraud. You know, they are here. They're in Baltimore. We know what Baltimore does to teams at home. And they're going toe-to-toe. And then I remember, right, we were texting each other, or I was texting you, and you said something about MVP. And I said, well, Lamar is 11 for 14 with two touchdowns right now. And then I don't think five minutes went by, and I said, edit, 13 for 16 with three touchdowns. touchdowns. Oh, hold up. By the way, he's 17 of 21 with four touchdowns. By then I was already watching. I was watching then because I was, like, (laughs) moving around. So by the time I got that, I was like, all right, now now I was watching. Yeah, it was uh, (laughs) – They dismantled, and I think Huntley came in through a touchdown to make and that got him to 56. Chubb was in the game towards ACL. Oh, I heard him Huntley. scream. I think uh, was I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you heard the scream through the team. I heard, yeah. I heard him scream. I remember yeah. I heard I've heard a couple of guys scream on the field. Remember Kenyon Drake in mm-hmm. college when he broke his yeah. ankle? Yeah. And the 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 play by play guys didn't realize what was going on because he was wearing white socks. Right. So he's wearing the white Alabama pants. He's wearing white socks. And he might have been wearing white shoes, maybe black shoes. I can't tell. But it was like they, they just couldn't tell that his, his ankle was his like. His foot was the wrong way. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was like sideways. 
Right. And they showed the replay, and then they showed him on the ground. You can hear him screaming. Like, he's in a lot of pain. And then they realized on the third replay, like, oh, this dude's foot is facing the wrong way. Right. Stop showing the replay. And they, they obviously, they apologize. Like, oh, we apologize for showing the replay, but he's off. Yeah, it made me think of Gordon Hayward. Oh, I forgot about that one. It made me think of that one. You know what I mean? Oh, I forgot um, about I, that one. But, yeah, and, when, I, when I heard Chubb screaming, I was like, Oh, this is bad. I'm like, because I, because I was, I was driving when I was watching it. I, I don't know where I was going, but I remember I, I looked down, and I heard him scream, and he was grabbing his knee, and then they went to show the replay, and I was like, nope, get my eyes back on the road. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that was a tough blow. Buffalo, like, I might have been a little prison a moment trying to be like oh let me have a different opinion when i had josh allen as mvp but as a fact change so this is my opinion i think it's like minus twenty thousand for lamar for mvp so basically yeah it's you gotta up. bet you gotta bet twenty thousand dollars and win a hundred dollars yeah it's so up. that's that shows you how a guarantee much of a guarantee it is you probably won't play against pittsburgh pittsburgh which is gonna be tough because that means they're gonna get the bye so their last game was what day was that? Sunday. Mm-hmm. And their first game would be two Sundays, probably 20, two Saturdays or Sundays from now. Yeah. Yeah. So the twentieth or the twenty-first. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. But either way, like I mean, I don't know the difference is at that point because it's still at a minimum it's still be two weeks. Right. From so even if I you mean, play Zay Flowers two, is banged up, so he could use that time. Yeah. So you know, maybe maybe not, uh Mark Andrews comes back. I mean, you got time if you yeah. can. If you, I mean, you got you know at this point 19, 18 to nineteen days. Uh, but yeah, so Miami Buffalo is going to be tough. Like I said, we'll make our predictions later. Kansas, you know, my man didn't even look like he wanted to plant the spear. <laughs> like like he looked like he was on Renegade. He was riding Renegade, and he was just sitting there like. Right, yeah, I guess I got to do this. Yeah, they're riding around. Like he, 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 he wanted to the, the dorms to play games. Like, yo, any of y'all can fit size medium football pants. Come yeah, on, yeah. The, the chief, the chief wanted to opt out of the yeah, of like, the spear planting. Soccer <laughs> players and rugby players and lacrosse players out there playing yeah. football. So now we got both um, both buys are secure now. You know, in the playoffs. But what in God's green earth? is going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen said it a couple weeks ago, man. It's like, it's a lack of focus. Because I remember one at one point this year, I asked you, uh, I think they had just lost to Dallas maybe, and I had asked you if you were concerned, and you were like, they just bored. I, th- I thought it was boredom. Um, it might be... The success, because, yeah, keep in mind, a lot of the players, other than Graham, Fletcher Cox, Kelsey, Mm -hmm. Johnson, I mean, everybody else, I mean, Jalen Hurst has been there a couple years, you know, his temperament is going to pretty much be locked in. A lot of the other guys, A.J. Brown, new Dallas Goddard, you know, he's, he's been there for a while. Maybe some of these guys is like, oh, 
now I'm the reason you guys are successful because a few years ago with Carson Wentz, I wasn't here. And now I'm here. We're successful. And people just kind of feeling themselves. Guys getting out of position, guys getting beat. Um, but there's no no reason you should give up 35 points to Arizona. Well, there's rumors that there's rumors that they may sit people this week, even though they can still win the division technically. I I sit the injured people who need to heal. Uh like you should still I beat mean, the Giants, right? You should still be able to beat the Giants. They're literally gonna run out at least two quarterbacks because Brian Dable will if you get a good enough, you know, impact on the fight in them. They'll swap did, out did the you, quarterback. Side note, did you have a mystological moment when the Giants went for that two-point conversion? Once I was like I said, I was moving, <laughs> I was moving the group, so like I wasn't really like sitting and watching like the games. Yeah. Uh, I mean the NFL is weird, it's tough. And I think sometimes if if you have a mature leadership group from the GM to president player personnel to your coaching staff if they understand the nuances of wins and losses can speak to that can speak to that logically mm-hmm. without getting emotional then I think you're good to go the problem is I don't know if their head coach has that kind of temperament so when it's starting to slide off the rails, I don't know if he has the uh, like the like the cachet that can kind of corral all the personalities that are Philadelphia Eagles. Because when you play in a city like Philly, you have to take on like this 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 brick mason blue collar tough we Philly versus the world person. Not that different than Cleveland. It's like, but Cleveland, they kind of it's bigger. They've, it's bigger they've, accepted, they've accepted kind of like losing. And Philly, right, you can't right, lose. Right, right. So you got to be like that trust the process stuff. I'm surprised it went on that long. But now that they're winning, the expectation is to win all the time. Mm-hmm. So they'll let you, they'll let you ride and they'll come to support you and they'll bark on you and they'll spend the money on the tickets and they'll show up to these games. But once you get the ball rolling, it's mm-hmm. like an addiction. The city needs to be fed victories. And you feel that because you get it directly from the media. Philly's not a big city. Like, you get access to the players. You know where they are. You know where they hang out. You know, everybody kind of hangs out in certain places. They live in the same kind of area. So they have access to the players. They do all the radio shows, the podcasts. They do their own podcasts. They do their friends' podcasts. So people are using Twitter and things like that. These messages are getting to the players. And on top of that, they'll tell you right from the stands. Don't drop that fucking ball. Like the Philly fans will tell you exactly what they need. And I think when you play there, you feel that. If you look at a city like I use Atlanta, look at a, a Atlanta game when they kick a field goal and look at all the empty seats on either end. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of just red seats. They don't have that same fire. Like I sat there on the, the side of the Jeff game. I wasn't screaming at Arthur Smith. Even when the ref made a call, I just was like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Philly fans, they gonna let you know, and I think that you you feel that pressure. And if you don't have a, you need a temperament like a Tony Dungy kind of temperament to to make in Philly. I think Doug Peterson was perfect, and I think the the leadership group 
didn't it didn't match, and they they sent you know they fired him a year after winning the Super Bowl. That kind of stuff mm-hmm. because you feel you feel the pressure to be successful in Philly once you get once you get a taste of it. It's like oh yeah, we need this. The Phillies, you know, in the World Series, we need that. We need it every year. Like people were people were livid when they were doing like the post game interviews with people walking out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. These guys lost in Game Seven of the NLCS, and they're calling them bums. <laughs> you know I'm saying like you win this game, you're the World Series, but they, you know, guys go one for twelve. Like oh, we paid four hundred million dollars to go one for twelve. Just like that's how the that's how Philly fans feel, and I think a lot of the players kind of embody that. And when it doesn't go well, the Philly media will lean on you, and then you'll turn that into internal shit. And then it just blows up. You know it's bad when your kickoff returner looks like a backup. Like that's the one thing. Like you should you just fast. Like the one thing you should be able to do is run run back a kickoff competently, you know. But uh yeah, so um as I was going through it, you know, watching my commanders, you know, get slapped around by the 49ers, I sat around to myself and I said, only Mr. Logical's team could be out here losing to the Bears and still have a chance to win their division next week. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It upsets me. <laughs> it upsets me. I'm not going All because Tampa couldn't handle the Saints. It upsets me. And if Carolina yeah. beats Tampa and Atlanta... Which is possible. Or, which is possible. I mean, anything is possible. You know, snowball's chance in hell, but, I mean, it's got to get there. Uh, I'm going to be low-key upset if the Falcons win the division. <laughs> I I need I need not trying to play uh Philly first round. I don't want to go to the playoffs and get my hopes up, nor do I want to keep the coach. Like oh, he's I, staying, buddy. He's staying. I, I just I but if he wins the division, I think that buys them two years. I think they get some next year and the year after that because he's coming off a division win and a home playoff game. So now I'm confused. Because, you know, I know we like to travel through the league and figure out which coaches aren't coming back. But now I'm confused because Arthur Smith seems to have gotten the vote of confidence. It looks like Eberflus has got the vote of confidence. Makes sense. So, so I don't understand, like, like you know, maybe maybe this Belichick thing really going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, talk, I was on the hot box the other day and, you know, I brought up, how we were talking about Mike Vrabel, and none of the guys on the hot box gone. thought none of the guys on the hot box thought he'd be gone. You know, so I don't know where I, that leaves us. I think, I mean, like I said, once again, I know I'm not I'm not calling for people's jobs, but if you just look at the, the history of the league, especially recently, if you Atlanta is probably not going to move off Arthur Smith because, you know, they're a couple plays away in a couple of games from being at first place in the division. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that, that's the way you can, you can articulate that in an argument. If you're advocating for Arthur Smith, either internally advocating for him or you are standing on the table arguing for him. Mm-hmm. But my piece to that is like, well, the game against the Colts was the first time they beat a team by three or more, like 
three possessions or more in his entire tenure here. And 17 points is three possessions. Mm-hmm. So you haven't won a game I'm on a 17 points more than one. I'm going to say I will call it two times if I'm wrong, but it's definitely not a lot. You haven't scored over 30 points more than five times in three years. They didn't even score 30 points when they won that game by three possessions. (laughs) It didn't score. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not understanding the quarterback that we brought in. He doesn't have it. So what am I doing with you and him next year? Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. I got three years of you not giving me the offensive numbers. And I have one year and a quarter with him getting benched, turning the ball over. Well, it's that's what I was going to ask you. Like, have, where do you he stand? Has a problem, though. That, that's what I was going to ask you. Where do you stand on Desmond Ritter at this point? Oh, I'm willing to. I would give him one more year if they can bring in a coach that's going to be creative offensively. Because I think he has arm talent. Mm-hmm. I think he has good size. I think he ran a four six five and 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 something like that. He was one of the faster QB runs that year. Um, I think Pickett. Man, I the, wish the Falcons would go back to these uh, Georgia looking uniforms. <laughs> they will one day when they want to. So, and that's the thing is like, so if you're gonna give me a guy that's like. Like maybe the, the the offensive coordinator is working under Mike McDaniel's. Maybe he has a connection to Shanahan. Like someone that can 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 use these these pieces that they have offensively. Because I don't know if anyone's owed any money just yet, and none of them are going to get shorter or slower. <laughs> so you have you got two hundred. You have three running backs that are all over two hundred pounds. Maybe Cordero Patterson is still in the contract. He doesn't come back, or maybe you get a. a coordinator that can really use them all at the same time. Yeah. But if you're going to keep Arthur Smith and you're going to keep Desmond Ritter, then you'll be doing this again by week seven next year where you're benching him for Bailey Zappi or some other. I don't get why they don't. I don't get why they don't put Patterson at receiver more. Not even just receiver, just getting in the ball in space, just just doing things like having him and B. John Robinson on the field at the same time. Right in a passing threat situation, we just got a turnover. Let's put out this. Let's put out this package that looks like we might do something. We might run something crazy, but instead they just come out in the same standard formation. And I think that's the same thing in Tennessee. They just come out in the same heavy set and they just give it to Derrick Henry. Same thing probably with the Commanders. Like they probably want to run these intricate routes with from being in his playbook, but it's like. Mr. 900, Terry McLaurin. We don't have we don't have the weapons for that. Don't we don't have the quarterback that can make that happen. We being the the, the commanders in the right, right. And so it's like, it's, yeah. It's, so that, so that's sometimes like these guys are just winning the interview, and I don't know if the people doing the interview understand like what the personnel looks like, and they could tell you like, oh, give me a couple of years. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna build this. I'm gonna take this guy and get him to here. Then, like the fact, I, I think about this every time, and I like Bijan Robinson. He just didn't, mm-hmm. he just didn't need to be a Falcon, and it's not gonna do him. It's gonna do him a disservice 
if they keep the same core offensive coordinator, the head coach, and quarterback. Well, that's why there's no space for him. Yeah, I was talking to uh, when I was on the hot box. You know, they asked me, you know, hey, what do you want the Commodores to do? And, you know, and like obviously coming into the season, my thought was the enemy is head coach in waiting. You know, Rivera on his way out, move transition. But now I don't know if that's something that the ownership wants to do. So the ownership didn't hire Ben and me, correct? Right, right, right. So that's so never that's, a good sign. And it didn't look like I mean, unless you're gonna look at the yards that Howell put up. Yeah, so I was looking at uh Todd Munkin, maybe, you know, offensive coordinator over in Baltimore, you know, but you gotta get the quarterback to fit what he's trying to do as well. So a lot of people have been talking about Caleb Williams. I don't necessarily want Caleb Williams. Well, right now we got the number two pick, you know, so if Chicago trades out or, you know, maybe we trade Chicago, go two to one, you know, uh, but yeah, as of right now, Washington has the number two pick. And of course the bears have secured the number one pick with Carolina losing this past weekend. The bears are probably in. Like they're the in heaven right now. And they're going to botch it because I read <laughs> that they're talking about bringing Eberflus back. And once again, if I'm having this conversation, it's like if I'm advocating for Eberflus to come back, who, who's leaving? Like who's coming in to either help or who's leaving to is going to be addition by subtraction? Well, well you're, the way you're running it now, because think about this. They got Komet and Tanyan, the two tight ends. You got a young quarterback that, you know, doesn't seem I – won't, I won't say he doesn't see the field well because I don't want to be disparaging. But you have a young quarterback that, you know, sometimes – it took a lot of hits his first couple of years in the mm-hmm, league. Mm-hmm. So those two tight ends, you bring in Claypool, Mooney, and DJ Moore. It's like you can't get – you can't make that work out. Claypool's like six four, six five. They say well, he's gone, and they—that's that, what I'm saying. They—they they couldn't make it yeah. work. They, they right. had to move him, and it's like, how did you not like? How did you not find a way to just get him the ball? Well, this is the problem. This is the problem. You know, uh, their defense, ever since they made the trade to get Montez Sweat, has been one of the top defenses in the league. Eberflus is a defensive guy. So theoretically, theoretically, you know, he's partly responsible for the defensive improvement. Now they're winning games. Or was it the trade? It, I mean, it was the trade, obviously. But you know, it was the trade, obviously. But 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 at the same time, but at the same time, this is what I always like to say. We can't have it both ways. Because if they made the trade and the defense still wasn't working, we would blame him for it. But now that the defense is working. We don't want to give them credit for it. So they got one and ten. Chicago. Yeah, as of right now, yeah. And it, there's like a big log jam. So like, this is going to move around some, I believe. You know, because so the Raiders, because the Raiders and the Broncos, right the Raiders and the Broncos play each other this week. So Carolina at three and fourteen at best is number one. Yeah, Washington, one. New England, Arizona. 
have four wins. Yeah. Giants, Chargers, Titans have five. Jets have six. Atlanta has seven. Chicago has seven. Las Vegas has seven. Minnesota has seven. But if Atlanta wins, that moves them from come on phone, figure it out. That moves <laughs> them from nine to, to like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Because like fourteen teams make the playoffs, so that like eighteen. Yeah. Because they'll be the worst of the teams that make the playoffs. Right. So they'll so not only will that not get the coach fired. You won't be in a position to get a top quarterback unless someone just smokes a bong on draft night and they have happened to fall at 18. Yeah, not going to want to play. I game. got it. I got it. With the ninth pick in the 2024 NFL draft, the Atlanta Falcons select JJ McCarthy, quarterback, Michigan. <laughs> Yes, you are now listening to the sounds of sports quick, reports is order. <laughs> yes, the, and yes, the beauty Chris, part of it, it says biggest, biggest need, biggest need once again is upsets me. Quarterback, wide receiver, edge, cornerback, defensive tackle. I'm like, no, it's edge, defensive tackle, cornerback. Because you can win with Ritter if you can create short fields. Well, you can win with Ritter if you just open up the playbook. The wide receivers, you have plenty of them. You just didn't throw it to any of them. Right. Like, you, you know, Atlanta's not a running bad. back. As, as I look at this, as I look at it, outside of Carolina, none of the teams in the South are actually bad. They just don't have good coaches. Well, the thing with Tampa Bay, they don't have a lot of continuity in Tampa Bay. I mean, you got to keep in mind, you you brought in a a journeyman, former first round, first overall pick quarterback, and they're kind of figuring it out. And they don't have, like, you know, top defensive problems. And, you know, Todd Bowles, we, we don't know if he's a good coach. He didn't do great with the Jets. And then he hasn't really been, like, dynamic in Tampa Bay. Well, I mean, either. their defense is a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and he's a defensive But guy. Tampa Bay's yeah. always had a good defense. They, they it just, 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 just seems like a like a, a place where if you show well, up and well, you it's play linebacker, you, look at the you think about being – you think about Derrick Brooks. When you come to Tampa Bay to play linebacker, yeah. you just kind of think about the history of linebackers. Well, I mean, even, even like, now they got, they got right. Levante David right now. But, but you know, but when you, but when you look at their roster, nothing knocks you out. You know, it's just a collection of, I guess, players that buy in. And, and look, some of them just were in the Super Bowl a few years back. Yeah, that's you know, so a, a handful of them were associated with that team. You know, so but when I look at the Saints, seven. the Saints have talent. The Saints, I don't know. I think the Saints organization is just, I think it's still like Sean Payton centric. And I Cause, think cause I never Allen thought is that, trying to do his best impression of Sean Payton. I never thought that Derek Carr was as bad as his detractors said he was. I never thought he was as good as his supporters thought he was. You know, they, got, they, they did a they did Jameis a disservice by not really they did. giving them a run. I'm like, I agree, I agree. And they got Kamara, they went and got Jamal Williams, you know, who led the league in touchdowns last year. You know, uh, they got Olave, um, Rashid Shahid. 
I yeah. Think that's like, <laughs> it could be every time yeah. I say it, it just I think I, they're they're tight end Jawan Johnson, I believe. Yeah, Jawan Johnson, he, yep. He's dynamic pass catching can block physical. You know, they got Taysom Hill as the Swiss Army knife. It's just like I said, it's the it's the Mike Singletary Jim Harbaugh. And thing. their defense ain't bad. You get the right coach in there and you get them to play a style that makes sense. Like you can have a coach that wants like I want to throw the ball a lot. But yet you're the you pick the quarterback of the the guy you went to high school with. You pick his son. It's like right. he might not he might not be built for that. Like maybe he should be handing the ball off more, maybe doing it throwing six passes a game and not sixteen. Right. So if right. you get a coach in there that says, Listen, man, you only gonna throw the ball six times. I'm gonna give you six great throws though. You might be able to get one or two touchdowns out of it off the way that I'm gonna have everything else set up. And the teams that tend to have these games were like Chicago, 37 points one week, and they're down like 34 to nothing, 35 to nothing to Kansas City at halftime another Mm -hmm. week. Denver give up 70 points to Miami, and then they come out and beat Kansas City and and hold them to like single-digit points. That's, that's That's the difference in like coaching. Kansas City... It's pretty solid. They're on point. We know what their problems were. It's like, hey, they couldn't make plays in the wide receiver. But it wasn't like they didn't have a game where it was like you look up and it's they got beat the way Miami's got beat by Baltimore. Right. You know, I know, but you swore me up and down. Cincinnati was going to walk up in there. I thought Cincinnati was gonna win because I I I felt with my rudimentary knowledge of coverage that the Cincinnati defense could cover the wide receivers and they were up 10. Just the guy that wears 15, who is Superman disguised as a football player, mm-hmm. he just makes things happen. Yeah. He can just, he just, he, and Nick Wright said this on um, First Things First today. He was like, if the Kansas City defense can just hold up and then you can get three special plays a game out of Patrick Mahomes. You can really, you can, he's like, he akin it to Patriots beating in the Rams 13-3 in that Super Bowl. Like, you got a quarterback, your wide receiver room isn't dynamic, but you have a quarterback that can make that Gronk throw. He got, Julian Edelman was the MVP of that Super Bowl. Even though he scored 13 points, he was like, this is my matchup. I think Edelman had like 14 catches and he was Super Bowl MVP. Like, so if you can do that, he can win. But Baltimore's playing so dynamic. I don't think like the dink and dunk, play good defense, make three special plays in the quarterback position is going to be enough. But I think it's enough to potentially get them the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. If, if because that guy watching, it was one play. It was like a deep, deep, deep shot they threw on third down. He had to hit both hands, and then this happened, and he had to recatch it. I think Collinsworth called. Him. He was like, "Whoa, that was close." We thought it was going to happen again because that's happened more often than not on like that third. Oh, MVS, the ball went straight through his hands again. Like he was diving for it, but it went through his hands. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up because uh, I was thinking about this the other day because I know that you've been beating the drum that Kansas City is pretty much going to be one and done. You know, so if the playoffs started today, they'd be playing the Bills. Now think about this for a second. So let's just hypothetical shits and giggles. Buffalo beats Miami. 
Kansas City Miami rematch potentially. And Arrowhead. And Arrowhead. You know, uh, maybe the Browns. Maybe they get the Browns because I imagine the Browns are going to possibly sit their starters this weekend. You know, um, so if you're Kansas City, do you look at Buffalo, Cleveland, and have a preference? I if I'm if I'm Kansas City, I think I could beat anybody that comes in the arrowhead. Correct. As a, you know, doing this cogent analysis that we do here. I don't think any team going in the Arrowhead should fear Kansas City. Correct. I think every team going into Kansas City for the, probably for the first time ever is like, if we stick to our game plan, we can win. Because in years previous, you couldn't just say, if we stick to our guns, we'll win. It was we have to stop Kelsey. We had like that was your primary focus. But if you come in like, listen, this is our game plan. We're going to ride it out. We're confident, so forth and so on. You can win because, like I said, some of those plays, like Cincinnati was up 10 on them, and it didn't look good. If you think about the two back-to-back defensive touchdowns that the Raiders scored on them, it just doesn't look like – and they keep talking about the running game with Pacheco. It's Pacheco, Mm -hmm. and then there's no other running back like him on the roster. Right. So you can't do the you can't do the same things unless you have him. Like we just talked about New Orleans having Kamara and um, you know Alave, Shahid, Jamal no, Williams. The other Jamal Williams, you can run similar pet plays between the tackles and expect the same thing with Kamara and Williams. They'll just they might they might do a little differently. The Kamara might is a little bit more patient, but you can still run those kind of plays. I'm not sure if it was hilarious out there versus Pacheco. You can count on the same thing. You can still run it because Edwards Hilaire is a short, stocky, very strong runner, but he isn't Pacheco. And McKinnon, I'm not sure if, if, if he's playing or if he's injured, but he's definitely not either one of those guys. They so, might need to line up McKinnon at receiver. It, it, Honestly, it might have to do some gadget plays, especially in the playoffs. Like, I hope they're working on something with Kadarius Tony, and they're just keeping him on the sidelines so his confidence doesn't, like, falter. Because I haven't seen him in a lot of games. I so I if watch. you're Kansas City, you're playing starters this week? Nah, because you can't, you can't improve. You can't improve, so I wouldn't do it. You can only look worse. You can only feel worse. So, I played so, so, you, so you would be afraid that confidence could be shooken up going into the playoffs. Or just you won't gain any. I mm. think you gained some by clinching the division. You yeah, know they you already, yeah, they clinched it. You, already so, clinched, yeah. you clinched the number three seed. You And then you sit back and you watch either Buffalo or Miami beat each other up. I'm not, like I said, I'm not, you know, hoping for injuries, but a guy who should be resting his shoulder injury has to play. So he's a little banged up. The offensive lineman has to tape three fingers together versus the two because he's out there playing. And you kind of hope that your team is more fresh at home next week in Arrowhead versus 
we got some good things on film. Just look at the film you have from all year. Look at the stuff that worked. Well, the good news is that they get Miami. They beat Miami already this year as well. Yeah, but they didn't score any points in the second half. And the, and, and the touchdown that really set set them up to get them 21 points. I personally thought the whistle should have stopped for forward progress. Because mm-hmm. it was pushing Tyreek back on the screen pass when he right. ripped the ball out. So right. any other time, that should have been for a progress stop. Right. But it wasn't. Ball got stripped out, lateral back. And they scored a touchdown. So that got them their 21st point. They didn't get a single point after that. Yeah, so um, it looks like I might have to do a role reversal on Jordan Love. Oh, same here. I'm in that yeah, boat. He's, he's looking kind of uh, Aaron Rodgers-ish in some ways. Oh, yeah, come on, man. Not I mean, he, he, no, he's, no, 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 he's I, obviously was, not as I was good. Looking at it. I was looking at it, too, because I, I thought it, they showed a highlight from last year when he came in in the Philly game. Yeah, and the way he threw the ball, and it was like, well, I mean, if you're gonna sit there for three years, like if I something, here, right? If I sat here and I just was the producer on this show and I didn't partake at all, and I just watched you, well, like I got to pick up something. Yeah, I got to pick up some logic if I was sitting in the background, right? Like you know, what yeah, I mean? so like, like I got to pick, I got to pick up something. Like, okay, let me, how do I get a different opinion on something that everyone sees? Like, how do I see this differently? Because you know, that's the kind of stuff you pick up when you're around people who are doing it successfully. I think right. him watching Aaron Rodgers, I think the coach, and that's another thing, the coach being in place, not in a hot seat, offensive coach, they have, they're the youngest team in the NFL. I did not think he would end up being, I think right now he's second or third mm-hmm. in touchdown passes in the league right now. Mm-hmm. First year starter. Yeah. Future looks bright. If Watson can keep his hamstrings tight, you know, those soft tissue injuries, He's missed four games because of that hamstring. And it was, yeah. like, it was like a little end around. And then and then every time I blink, I feel like Aaron Jones is getting checked out, you know, so that doesn't help either. But, you know, Chris, Georgia just got their first touchdown, so I'm here with you, man. Um, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, so they still have a chance at the playoffs. And that's what I was thinking about earlier is, say, you know, they get the seventh seed. And luckily Dallas is an animal at home. But if I'm Dallas, I don't know if I want to see Green Bay. Mm, I don't think, I don't think, nah. Because I I think what Dallas does well, they can overwhelm you defensively. And Dak is really good. It's just they think it's one of those the Cowboys. But I think it's one of I don't those think situations. they're gonna they gotta go in there and lay an egg. They gotta go in there and play poorly. No, but I think it's one of those situations where if Dallas gets Green Bay, everyone assumes that Dallas is gonna win. And that's usually the position the Cowboys don't want to But be. right now, I think most people would expect Dallas to lose. I think people don't have that much faith in Dallas just because they're Dallas. I think people take all stats and considerations and positions just out of the way. Like I think, oh, and we didn't even talk about that. We didn't even talk about uh, Detroit, Detroit and Dallas the other day. Man, people, people have been beating it so badly. To keep it playing devil's advocate, yeah, I think the ref saw Skinner run up to him, heard Decker talking in this ear, and like went off to do whatever he had to do for the play. But even with that, Decker was covered up, so he it was still illegal touching. Yeah. 
because he was covering up. Way, yeah. yeah, it was an illegal formation. He couldn't get touched yeah. the ball anyway. So, like, it still was a penalty on it because they weren't lined up properly, even though he reported. And that's the big thing everyone's talking about. It still was an illegal formation. The whole, like, the problem, it's probably a bigger problem is the fact they didn't call it illegal formation. Well, Everything back, was illegal. Well, we're going back to uh, Mr. Logical Special. You know, he damn Dan Campbell was damn sure trying to get that too, wasn't he? Listen, I don't I don't blame him for like listen, we already won our division. Let's just go out here and see if this play works. And it would have worked if, if Goff hits if Goff hits the tight end in his hands on that on because I think they got the because uh Dallas they got, got the penalty, penalty then Michael Clark jumped off sides. Uh-huh. So then they got it back for some reason they go back to the two. It went to like yeah, yeah. Like, I want to say they, it was like half the distance or something. It was. It's just supposed to be outside, so it was like yeah, the, it was the, illegal yeah, tackle five yards, yards yeah. should have gone back five, and right. then all sides five yards. It should have gone, gone back, back to the original spot. It, for some reason, I've, maybe I was thinking the line. It was. It felt like it was in between the two or three, and I'm like, I thought it was either at the two or at the three on on extra points when you got to go for it. I can't remember if it was at the two or the three, but I believe it was at the two. So the ball should have been back on the two. I like I liked him going for two because it's like I want to get out of here. I don't want to play another 10 minutes when my guys are locked into the playoffs. So I get out of here with a loss, or we convert in for six feet for a win. I like yeah, the point. Yeah, the point that if I made needed, was if he needed that win to make sure that this week wasn't a do or die match between are they playing against they play Minnesota they playing, this week playing Minnesota so if if this week was going to be a situation like the Buffalo Miami and he went for it where like now you got to play for your division life next week then I'm like oh that's that's wild but he's like well, Mario, well, then why do I want to put my well, guy football the point that I made when I was asked about it was I just liked it because that's who Dan Campbell is. He was being true to himself, you know. Um, they would still have the job if he just stuck to that, stick to those. Yeah, guys. yeah. Like, like, just be you. Like, you know, just like I always tell Lindsay, like, I ain't mad at you because you did this. I'm mad at you because that's outside of your character. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't do that. Like, so if Dan Campbell would have played it safe, I would have been like, "What's going on with Detroit?" So, yeah. and I think, and I think that he's okay with it. You know, now granted, it was it was a win. It was a win win because it was like either either we get this two point conversion. I see if he would have taken a knee after they got the punt and just like I'm done, I'm good. Right, that's right. not his personality. But he's like, let's go win this game. They got the touchdown. They literally marched right down the field, got the touchdown because once again another clock management. Williamson. Uh, Dak threw, threw the ball out of bounds, stopping the clock. That would have ran out 40 more seconds, and the trade wouldn't even been in that position to even have the touchdown. Right. But when he went when he went for two, I was like, that makes complete sense to me because – when you think Dallas got something here, going. Just when you think Dallas got something going, McCarthy's saying, I can mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> I can mess this up, you know. But, uh, but Detroit had, still had a chance to – Finish with the two seed if they win that game. So you know, um, I don't know if there's a big difference between the two and the three for them, but you know, but I, I mean, you, I mean, if, you get the NFC if, championship if game at home if it works out that way. 
Yeah, you would get that. Uh, the weather probably won't be a difference because, um, well, unless you, San Francisco, I'm trying to think, like, what would be the perks? I mean, getting to the 2C would have been worth it. Yeah, I think so, too. But you know what I, mean? I think playing 10 more minutes. I think the 2C versus the 10 additional minutes when you are six feet away. I think that factor is like, listen, let's just go try to win it. If we don't win it, it is what it is. We'll hold serve on our first because we're going to get at least one home playoff game. We'll assert our dominance there, and mm-hmm. then we will, you know, proceed to whoever wins their matchup or whatever by however however it works out. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, they could right. be looking at – The referee at- thing is, is – People are jumping all over the rest, but I said you should have jumped all over for not calling the legal formation. Yeah, I mean, at least they won't be in the playoffs, right? You know, the refs aren't going to make the playoffs. Lisa, but they're they're headlining the well, I guess the Baltimore Pittsburgh game might not matter. I don't think it'll matter as far as seeding. Well, well, I mean, Pittsburgh will still get in. Yeah, but I don't think Pittsburgh, I don't think Baltimore is going to play their starters. So, no, 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 no. They so might the play my guy. Like, Remember this name? Malik Cunningham? You know, I mean, like it'd be dope. But I think the referee is like, listen, we'll let you ref this game because you got to, like, botch it completely right. to for for it to be national news. Right, right. Shout yeah, out to Mike so, Tomlin. Yeah, yeah. You know, Come another on one season – Another you know, season, you know, still he got a chance to, to make the playoff. Yeah, still got a chance to make the playoff. You know, um, you know, they're going to probably beat Baltimore since Baltimore is probably going to be sitting people, but they still need a lot of help to get in. But I'm hoping that they get the help because I want Mike Tomlin in the playoffs. You know, especially, you know, coming off of this season, you know, with the bad quarterback hell that his organization put him in. Oh, my goodness. I mean, can you be more ill-prepared at selecting quarterbacks than the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> post well the Steelers, well, the Steelers and the Packers play with fire a lot. You know, they're not the types that make these big free agent signings. You know, they try to do it through the draft, develop it, build it up, which I respect, but it's 2023 now. <laughs> four. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, now four. Uh, they, I can't. I don't see. A, I don't see a scenario Hunt where like Pickett. I don't see a scenario where Pickett comes back. Uh, well, yeah, you saw the report. He's all upset because uh, there was a report that he didn't want to back up Mason Rudolph, and you know he was calling out the report as bullshit. Somebody said it. But it's probably like I said, it's probably the it's probably the equipment guy. It's probably somebody that's so low level. And I'm just not trying to demean people's position, but it's like if I'm a reporter, I just need somebody in the building to say, I heard this. It's the dude that would have deflated the footballs. Or the dude that, you know, that gets, Kenny, that gets Kenny Pickett's gloves or something like that. Like the guy who's always like, hey. Kenny wasn't happy. Like, I handed him his gloves. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to use these for. And, like, that could be enough. Mm-hmm. Like, that some, that statement can be enough for him to go to some reporter for 500 bucks 
or a thousand bucks or whatever whatever the 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 ci rate is <laughs> i don't even know why i'm doing this to myself i'm just getting angry now but uh <laughs> to the game every time yeah I it was like a different test another test yeah it's, it's the end of the first quarter right now still seven to nothing but you know so i'm here with you chris but um yeah so as we come down to week 18 you know, I love this. You talked about it last week. The NFL sets it up so that we have all the division matchups. So, yes. you know, Washington, Dallas, you know, Green Bay. And I mean, this is the thing, you know, Washington has the chance. They're not going to. Washington has the chance to keep Dallas from winning the East. You know, Chicago has the ability to knock Green Bay out the playoff. You know, Atlanta and New Orleans writes itself. Down in the house of horrors, you know. I'm trying to, like, I, I imagine that the Carolina Tampa Bay game is going to be on first. All right, let me check it. I'm gonna look up pull up schedule real quick. Because if I was, I think I they're going to be at the same time. To be honest with you, okay, if they're at the same time. <laughs> let's see what I we think got that here. Could work. Yep. Let's see. Yep. Same time. Both at one o'clock. Yep. Yep. This four o'clock uh window is ugly. What we got? You got uh Seattle, Arizona. For nothing. Yep. Chicago, Green Bay. Philly at the Giants. That can Rams, be Rams at the 49ers. Carson Wentz versus Sam Darnold. Uh Denver and Oak or Las Vegas. Jared Sinem playing against his former team against Aiden O'Connell. And then Chiefs Chargers. The quarterbacks are going to go 17 for 60. <laughs> and then you got Chiefs Chargers to, 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 you know, to end it all. So Gabbert versus Easton. Yeah. Or Easton Stick. Easton Stick, yeah. That's that's nasty. That's nasty. I might have to uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll be playing on three yard around that time. Bat. Easton is a baseball bat company. His last name is Stick. His parents knew that. Why the hell would you name your son Easton? Your last name is Stick. <laughs> I know stupid stuff like this pops in my head, but it's like really. Yeah. No, I uh, I am glad that we get the Miami Buffalo game. You know, in prime time. You know, at least. I mean. If Miami would have won last week, they would have sat their starters. We would have had. If Miami would have won last week, and the NFL wants to make something compelling, they would have put. Maybe you put Falcons. Falcons sink. No, but you. Well, no, well, no because because you need Tampa to lose, though. You would have Tampa yeah. Bay, Carolina as your primetime game. Bears, Bears, Packers. Just as a rivalry to see if the Bears can keep the pack. Yeah, because I, I believe Green Bay is winning it. So just like that. And, and they could knock some people out. Yeah, just so like that. All last those year. games would have been played. And then Green Bay, Chicago playing at prime time. Yeah. Would have determined the fate of a cup of. Yeah, teams, like last year. Because, uh, yeah, that's what happened last year because Seattle. With Detroit. With Detroit. Yeah, because Seattle Green won, Bay. which eliminated Detroit. But Green Bay could have still got in, you know, like over Seattle if they would have won. Oh, if Green Bay would have beat Detroit, 
then not in Seattle wouldn't have. But because Detroit lost the tiebreaker because they lost right. straight up to Seattle. Right. Okay. And then whereas so, yeah, this year that would have been Bay, Whereas this year Green Bay has the tiebreaker over Seattle. They haven't played, but I, I think it was a conference record. So Green Bay has the tiebreaker over Seattle. So Seattle plays Arizona. They win Sunday night. Green Bay sweats again. Yeah, but we have a we have a we have a good one for the division. We don't have that Washington, Philadelphia, Doug Peterson getting fired situation. Yeah. That yeah. was awful. Like that, that was, was a delusion. Even as a even as a Washington fan, I was disgusted by that. Like you pulled Jalen Hurts and put in and for what? And, and then he gave the answer. You know, I really I felt like he deserved an opportunity to show the league. Was it uh wasn't it uh Sudfield Nate, they put in? Nate Sudfield, yeah. Yeah. You know, former uh, commander, or you know, it got him like work. two. It probably got him like two more contracts. Yeah, so you know, it, like a Tim Boyle kind of Boyle's done with the league, though I'm for sure. And then like last he, thing, he get job. And then last thing before we get out of here, you still got the AFC South up for grabs. You know, is Trevor Lawrence going to play this week? You better play. That's I would when, imagine he would. They, they he. Jacksonville wins, they win the division. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, saying, but of course, depending on what happens with Miami and Buffalo, um, Houston and uh, Indianapolis could be playing for a playoff spot, too. So now, uh, now this is the matchup. If I can find my prediction notes, I don't know if it's in this this one. Oh, I remember my predictions. I remember okay. all my di- I remember all my division winners and everything. Because yeah, I have it in here. Yeah, I remember all yeah. my division winners. You know, so I, they go so well. a different notebook for something. Yeah. Else. So so just to recap, I had Philly winning the East. I had Detroit winning the North. Sounds good so far. I had Atlanta winning the South. Yep, that's what and we then I, And then I fucked up and said Seattle was going to win the West. I was, I think I was staunch on, on uh, San Francisco. Yeah, you were San Francisco, yep. Then in the AFC East, I had Buffalo. You had Miami, I believe. Um, I had Baltimore winning the North. I believe you had Cincinnati. You had Jacksonville winning the South. I had Tennessee. And then we both had Kansas City winning the West. Hold on. What the hell? That's the way I remember it. Okay. So, hey, hold on. Let me find your name on YouTube real quick. Let me, you know, what's that dude's name? I'm going to let him know. You know what I'm saying? Like how we do things on Sports Reports is ordered. All right. See where you at. All right. So, here you go. Um, Kavon Nichols, 1701. This is what we do. We make our picks and we stand by them. If we are wrong, we are wrong. Because if you show me the person that's betting 100%, I'll show you somebody that ain't betting. So it's easy for y'all to talk while we're trying to get these computers putin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we picked Alabama. I went against my preseason pick. Yes, I picked Tennessee to win the South. If you picked Tennessee to win the South, would you admit it that now? I had Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, Kansas City. Oh, you did have Buffalo. 
Yeah. I could have sworn you had Cincinnati because I felt like we argued about that. No, no, no. Uh, the, the, the the division. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, I could have swore I picked Baltimore and uh, you picked uh, Cincinnati and we argued about it because I picked Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl. I think Philly. this is after this is after Burrow's calf was hurt. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about I'm talking about day one. My notes. This is this is my notes from September first. Yeah, my day one pick. Yeah, my day one pick was yeah, my day one pick was Cincinnati against Philadelphia. I had Philadelphia and Dallas in the NFC championship game. And I had Cincinnati beating Buffalo in the AFC championship game. Yeah, mine was ridiculous because I thought Ritter was going to take a step up. That's when I had Kansas City versus Atlanta Super Bowl, and I was like, this "Yeah, is fifteen and two, yeah, yeah." I'm pretty yeah, sure, I it, but like, but I think it is, this, this early predictor was a uh, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, Kansas City, Jets, Cincinnati, Chargers, uh-huh. and then I have Philly, Atlanta, Detroit, Seattle, San Francisco, Minnesota, Dallas. That was my. Those are my. <laughs> Excuse me, I hit the wrong button. I was trying to get the mute. I hit the camera. Yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, and then I got some notes from school in here, too. But, yeah, I should have learned something then. But, I mean, at the time, pre-injury, it seemed like – I know the Atlanta thing seemed, like, outrageous. But I, just, I felt that it was going to be a better offensive output. I just I just thought that they would just score. I thought like, oh, you have this much. You already had Algier as a thousand yard runner. You brought in Bijan. Like I said, personally, I would. I don't know why they didn't take Jalen Carter when he was sitting there at eight. He was regarded as the best player in the draft. Yeah, especially when you just signed Calais Campbell, you just signed Jesse Bates, and it's like, and you had Grady Jarrett. Like yeah, you can you can do so much when you can so when you can affect the line of scrimmage, especially in that division. Like you're is in that and he's and apparently Arthur Smith is a former offensive lineman. It's like why aren't you thinking about dominating the line of scrimmage? You're like no, I'm just gonna like throw these stretch plays to the left and to the right, and then maybe Ritter with and it's so it just upset me. Right, but yeah, um. These playoff predictors, I saw one. Um, I think Adam posted it, Black Adam. Um, someone posted like the division winners, like a parlay, like a hundred dollar parlay, yeah, like 63 grand, but the cash out was 1600. Yeah, and he had Atlanta as one of the, the division winners. I yeah, was like, I saw that. Cash out, cash out, cash buddy. Out, man, gives you 1600. You know, but yeah, yes, yeah, it was somebody else. He is two teams that needed help to get to get to win. For him to win his bet, yeah, I think shout out to Black win. Adam. You know, saying Dallas check, check out Black game. Adam on YouTube. You know, uh, he was in the hot box with me. You know, he turned me into Stephen A. Smith. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not proud to admit that, but you know, he has that effect on me. You know, he will be coming to you on Sports Reports is ordered sometime in the near future. You know, saying 2024 is a new year, so expect some new things from Sports Reports is ordered. Yeah, we in the lab yeah. cooking it up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Biggest movement since Dipset. Trying to reach that Wu-Tang level. <laughs> Yo, keep up the views. Uh, our viewership went up a thousand percent. Yes, sir. From, 
from November, December, now already into two days into January. So yeah. applause to all the people yes, sharing. Sir. Yeah, thank you for making your presence. I know so. Chris pays attention because Chris will hit me with something that I, I'd say an hour 15 at a show. And I'm like, this is really listening all the way through. I know. You know. Shout out to the people really looking out for us. Yeah, that was the first thing I saw. I woke up Sunday morning, and uh, and you know it was all quiet. Football games going on. Then about mid third quarter, he sent me the message talking about middle fingers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Chris is so, on it, man. Respect. You know, saying respect. You know, saying keep sharing it. You know, um, you know, like I said, check out the Pursuit of Forever. My guy Rajon Lewis. You know, keep your eye out for the hot box as well. You know, saying um, you might see some more collabs in the near future. So, you Absolutely. know, sports support is ordered. Coming at you. We in your grill. We in your ears. We in your everything. You know what I'm saying? 2024. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, every time I be wanting to be like, it's my year. I just think about how Jay Hood said that every year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I ain't even going to say it's our year. I'm just going to be like, yo. We in the building. Taking possibilities and making them happen. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Sports reports is ordered. Hey, grandma. (laughs) We out here. So, yo, thank you for listening again. We'll be back at it Thursday. We'll have these NFL predictions. We will predict the national title game, Michigan versus Washington. And we're going to have much, much more for you throughout the week. So we love you, America. Hold it down. We're going to hold you down. And we love you. Happy New Year out there, you filthy animals. (laughs) Peace.